right, so one week into the season, Sam and I are finally here to give you our preseason predictions and talk about everything we already completely changed our mind on. So I guess we can go straight into it. Or, I mean, just do you want any general thoughts you want to talk about first, or do you want to just hop right into it? Uh, nothing other than I just don't know anything about the league apparently <laughs> like if you look at the standings they're like completely upside down and um teams i expect to win are been losing granted it's been one week and it's like the craziest or the most abnormal season ever to begin because there's no preseason and they just had a weird hiatus some teams haven't played in nine months if you didn't make the bubble so i'm gonna chalk it up to that and uh hopefully things start to normalize but I guess it makes it more interesting. Like, anyone can win on any given night so far. It makes it a lot harder for a frequent better, which uh, I've had pretty good luck, but that's what it is. It's kind of luck at this point. Um, but, yeah, one little disclaimer, too, is it's this isn't bubble basketball where it's just game, then the next game, then the next game. It's like we, me and Sam were talking about earlier. It's like 10 games all start at 7 p.m., and then the West Coast games start and miss half of those anyway. So... We can't really, we haven't been able to watch every game clearly. We kind of just pick and choose our spots. So we'll just talk about what we've seen about three, four games into the season. Um, and yeah, like what you said, there's looking at the Eastern Conference playoff picture right now. Um, we have the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks currently both undefeated in first. And the Knicks are also in the playoffs, the Cavs are in the playoffs. The Bucks are not in the playoffs. The Heat are not in the playoffs. Uh, the Raptors haven't won a game. And that's just in the East. So, yeah, a lot of fun stuff here. Yeah. Uh, seeing the Magic and the Hawks on, on the top is really quite quite the sight to see. But, yeah, and you made a good point. Like, the bubble was perfect for viewing. It was in the middle of a pandemic, and they staggered games at, like, noon, 2, 4, 30, yeah. 7. You can just watch all day long. And now there's, like, six games. That's start between six and seven or six and eight, wherever you are. So definitely a little behind on my viewing, but that's that's the schedule we've been given. Yeah, so the template, oh, and just to throw it out there too, we're going to hope to have this out on New Year's Eve. If anyone's traveling, hopefully you can throw it on, listen to it then, but we're recording right now, basically right when the game started on December 30th. Um, so, yeah, so we're gonna, the template we're going off of is actually a little bet we have, a little point system I created for predictions. Basically, we're going to hopefully go through all of it. We'll go through as much of it as we can. Basically, all the team awards, or all the player awards, team standings, MVPs, uh, uh, finals, basically everything. And we have a little point system based off that, so that'll be fun to check back up on throughout the season. And to start it off, we'll just start at the top, Western Conference standings. And Sam, why don't you give us your preseason prediction for the top six in the Western Conference? Um, so this is the group that will avoid the playing game. Yeah, so spoiler alert, we do have the same six teams, but we have different order for all of it. Um, so I actually have the Nuggets with the best uh, record in the West, which I am very much regretting at the moment, considering they started, I think, one and three. They lost to the Kings yesterday, where they just stopped scoring, like, in the last four minutes of the game. Don't feel great about that, um, but like I said, it's early. I'm not panicking yet, but one and three, only 72-game season, 
you know, already digging yourself a hole. But I guess the Lakers have lost twice, and some of the other good teams have also stumbled out the gates. So obviously lots lots of time to make it up. But I had Denver 1, uh, Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Suns, Mavericks was my order. Yeah, so like Sam said, this is actually a common theme, uh, but we had the exact same teams in the top six, but different order. My order was Clippers 1, Jazz 2, Lakers 3, Nuggets 4, Suns 5, Mavs 6. So I just think everyone randomly decided the Clippers sucked after uh, their bubble performance, which, I mean, who knows what would happen had it been a normal season. Um, I've been on record saying I think it would have played out a lot different, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's really just the craziest of circumstances ever. I don't really think uh, collapse is too representative of anything. And I think they got a lot better coaching upgrade, talent upgrade, just a roster that makes a lot more sense. Like adding Nick Batum and Serge Ibaka, and now with Batum starting and Marcus Morris place wise injured, like that, those are just Ibaka spaces the floor, which they always were great last year with the shooting center. But then Batum is just a ball mover. Like it's not even like he's like a great play creator, or pass like that. He's a good passer, but he's really just a ball mover, which is like so important when your main scorer is Kawhi, who likes to play uh, Kawhi so ball, where he's basically just isoing all the time and. Paul George isn't the best passer. It's just so important for them to have a ball. I'm just a ball mover on the roster. And they were a great regular season team last year, despite all of their chemistry issues, their uh, coaching issues, their roster issues. And they didn't have a full season of Marcus Morris. And they were still, like, number two in offense and number two in defense. So I think the, the Lakers, the reason I have them at three, and I think this has actually played out, I don't think that – LeBron is – I think LeBron's going to coast through the regular season. He's going to slowly amp himself up. I think Anthony Davis will rest some and just a little natural regression because, I mean, they were they were all out in the regular season. LeBron, people forget, he was coming off like an eight-month eight month break last year because he had his injury. Barely, he barely played in 2019 until the season started because he had the injury that kept him out in the beginning of 2019. He played a little bit, then he shut himself down. So he really only played like, probably like February. was like the only time he actually played in 2019 – um, and he had a point to prove, so he really wanted. They came out really strong in the regular season. That was just due for regression, but then obviously the crazy circumstances of them playing like two months ago. So, yeah. Any thoughts on those? Yeah, no. I mean, I agree with most of what you said. I had the Clippers just debating to put them first or second as well. Um, yeah, I I agree with. Then I think the Lakers. I think maybe they'll be a touch better than you're saying just because they're deep now for the regular season but they've also scuffled out the gate a little bit they lost to portland the other day anthony davis hasn't looked very good at all uh, in their opening games and then yeah just a touchback on the nuggets being first they didn't even have barton and they made it to the western conference finals um murray kind of showed out in the bubble which we don't know if it's real or not he hasn't looked great to start the season and just another year of michael porter jr who i think will continue to grow and um maximize this potential but losing a couple of defensive pieces they did has been worrisome especially when they let the kings hang like 120 on them last night um but yeah mostly agree with all the stuff you had have the kings beat them twice or uh i I know yesterday i know the teams are playing like back-to-backs against the same against the same squad this year but i don't know if they yeah i don't i don't think they did i think i'm thinking of when they beat the suns in the beginning um yeah, so last year I came oh, they the have season. Twice. Oh, they right. have. Oh, they have. Oh, okay. They have some impressive ones. I definitely have a lot to say on them when we get to them. But um, just to finish up with the top six. Uh, so coming into last season, 
the debate was kind of nuggets or jazz, like which or not debate, but just like a lot of people were high on one of the two. And I think I I do kind of default sometimes to like I had to really be proven like wrong about things for me to like fully buy in. And I'm I'm kind of like you said, we don't know how much about the bubble is real and. I was more. I had more concerns about the Nuggets coming into the season than most people, and I'm still kind of defaulting to how high I was on the Jazz last year, but also like how high they were at times in the actual season. So, when, like I talked about in our last pod of the offense and defense rankings, like they were the best basketball and the offensive team in history for like two months of the season. Uh, Mike Conley didn't start playing good to the end of the year. Full season Jordan Clarkson. Uh, hopefully, full season of Bogdan or Boyan, and then. Super high in Quinn Snyder. I mean, I just think they could really be a, or coming into the season, I thought they'd be a really great regular season team. They've haven't looked at too hot so far. I haven't really dug into it yet. It looks like a lot of just not making shots by Donovan Mitchell. Maybe that'll turn around. Um, but yeah, I'm super high on them for this year. And the Nuggets. I, I mean, I think a lot of the concerns I had coming into the season have shown up in the first few games. Like I've. When Jamal Murray's off, like I think that's going to be really tough for them. And in general, I don't want to have to rely on him to create as much as they do. Michael Porter Jr. is still a little bit too much of a question mark for me to believe in. And I just, I mean, he can't stay on the court with my, uh, Coach Michael Malone. It seems like he gets pulled just every time he makes a mistake. And he's also the injury um, risk. And, yeah, I didn't like the defensive losses they had in the offseason. So, yeah, I'm a little low on Nuggets. Obviously, not like crazy low. Still have them predicted to be the fourth best regular season team. And then I, I had the Suns five and and Mavs five and six. What was your five and six? The Suns and Mavs as well. Uh, is that in the same order? Yep, same order. Yeah, I, like I think I talked about talked about this in the last pod, but like I didn't want to be one of the guys who's like hopping on the Suns bandwagon. But it's just we broke it down. It's like Chris Paul. Plus Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, like that's a pretty good top three on offense, and makes a lot of sense too. It kind of optimizes Devin Booker, uh, puts DeAndre Ayton in a really good position to succeed. Lots of wings, just uh, lots of good players in general. It's a really interesting team. And my last thoughts on the Mavs, um, I think a lot of people just assumed there'd be linear progression with them, like they just take one step forward from last year, where. I know they out, they were like really under their point differential. Like they were supposed to, they like played like a team that's like five wins better than what their record was. But I mean, I just think losing Steven Silas was huge for that offense. And then Porzingis being hurt, who knows when he's going to come back? And he had a lot of things flare up, so they're probably be careful with them. Or you can just expect a lot of injuries. And just I figured some guys are going to have to step back off the crazy offense performance they had last year. So I was a little lower on the Mavs than most people, but obviously about the same. Same as you. Yeah, that sums it up pretty well. The only thing I'll say is I do think that the top four teams are, like, considerably better than the next. Like, everyone thinks it's the West of being super deep, and I agree with that. But I do think the Jazz, Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers are, like, a tier above even Dallas, Phoenix, and Portland, or Memphis, Houston. Uh, It's so hard to talk about Houston, but... You get the point. That I think the top four are like clearly better, and and I do have that. Like we we predicted actual wins, and so I have like a five win gap between them, whereas yours is a little bit closer. And I just wanted to add, like I I love Utah as well. I was super high on them last year. They have the same team plus favors basically, and I only have them three wins out of the one seed. And this year, three wins. I mean that there's so many back to backs. There could be like 
someone missing a week for COVID. There could be lots of resting. Like three wins could be, you know, basically nothing in this shortened season. Yeah, that's I forgot about Derek Favors. So yeah, those are good points there. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement too about the drop off. I think the Suns could sneak into that group, like if it's like a high end outcome for them. If like the pieces like really gel, which I think there there is a chance, or maybe Devin Booker takes a step or something like that. Like I think they could maybe sneak into that group. And oh, well, I mean, I guess a lot of these teams, like if things go right, they could hop into that group. Like. We can go ahead and move on to the playing group. My um, 7 through 10 leads off with the Blazers, and they're one of those teams where if – I'm just lower on them in general, but I think if somehow Dame repeats his performance from, like, the end of last year and or, like, their defensive wings, like, are great fits and, like, it's, like, the perfect complementary pieces, maybe they hop into that group. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of what is for these West teams, a lot of good teams. But my 7 through 10 is Blazers 7, Pelicans 8, Warriors 9, Rockets 10. What's yours? Yeah, so I have Blazers 7, Warriors 8, Grizzlies 9, and Rockets 10. And I... The Warriors, I was feeling... I had them even lower, and then I was like, I don't know, Steph Curry, Draymond, they're still together, and they still have Steve Kerr. They added a few pieces, and I actually like artificially bumped them up after... Just are going through our offense and defense. I had them lower, and and I moved them up, and now I'm kind of regretting that. But I also thought I also think thought I was going to be lower on the Grizzlies than most. But you, that's like I think our biggest difference um, since I have both of them in front of us. And now with Morant out, you're probably <laughs> definitely looking good at, with with that regard. But, but yeah, I thought. I mean, I am in my head. I'm lower on the Grizzlies, but I guess I had them. I, I have a bunch of teams clumped from. 8th through 13th. I have like a three-win difference, but but yeah, yeah, those are my four. I end up being super low on the Grizzlies. Um, I'm trying to pull up a tweet off the uh, assistant to the general manager Twitter where I was doing some polls um, about just like how people are thinking teams will be this year. And yeah, so this is and like a lot of these, like I'll, I'm pretty sure like I have a good idea of what I expect the results to be just because, I mean, I have a good feeling if we're like, cat, like the just casual Twitter community and the not also not casual. I didn't mean casual, like uh, just not normal as, NBA Twitter. Yeah. Just, just a, yeah. NBA Twitter community. Um, just get, have a good read on them a lot. So when I said best team this season between the Kings, Spurs and Grizzlies, I had a feeling people were going to be pretty high on the Grizzlies and they actually got just under 50% of the votes with the uh, Spurs and Kings, both getting around 25. And I just, I wasn't seeing it with the Grizzlies. Like, Winslow's still out. I knew Jaron Jackson Jr. was starting the year hurt. Um, Brandon Clark was due for some regression. He had crazy shooting numbers, uh, like, as a rookie. Jonas Valanciunas, yeah, I mean, he's good. But, I mean, I don't know how much games he's winning you as your first or second best or second best uh, offensive option. And uh, I was like, they might end up having to start Grayson Allen at the beginning of the year. And, like, I don't love that. Like, I just saw a lot of holes and just – these teams around them, like the Kings, Spurs, I just thought all those teams were definitely a little better. And all these good teams, like these losses got to go somewhere. So though I'm the lowest on the Grizzlies out of the group, so I got to just put them at the bottom. Um, any other Grizzlies thoughts? 
Yeah, I just will say they're missing tonight. Like Jaron Jackson, John Rant, Justice Winslow, DeAnthony Melton is out. Uh Porter, Xavier Tillman, even their uh, first round pick. Like they're missing like literally seven players. Uh, have the red out. Yeah, I just turned around and looked at the thing. score. Um, do you, Do you have it in front of you? Do you want me to tell you? No, I don't. They're getting killed by Boston or what? Yeah, get it's about to be halftime. Forty eight seconds away. Guess what the difference is right now? Twenty six. 30, 66 to 36, Boston. <laughs> well, better than the Clippers trailed uh, on Sunday, like 72-18 uh, or 62-18, yeah. Yeah, that was insane. I didn't watch any of that game, just saw the updates. Yeah. Uh, well, halftime, I think it was 40, but yeah. Um, yeah, Grizzlies just team is definitely pretty low on going through. And I think they wanted to be bad. They're not like the players want to be. I think the front office like wanted to take advantage of actually like controlling their own pick for once in like a crazy stack year and like a, what was supposed to be a crazy stack draft too. So I think they actually wanted to be a little worse than they had been and just let everyone get healthy, get another good draft pick to add to the core. I think that's kind of what front office, the front office was wanting. Um, yeah, back to the playing group. So the Pelicans was a team – I just like started thinking about it more and more, and I was like, I mean, I, I, they they snuck up on my board a little bit, so they were my eight seed. And with them, I mean, I think Stan Van Gundy is a super intelligent coach, and just like definitely is going to help you from not bottoming out. And I thought about their rosters; like they had the potential to definitely be like their starting lineup can be really solid on both ends, and then mixing in JJ Redick is a really good six man, and um. The whole whole season of Zion and Eric Bledsoe. I mean, I thought he could basically replace basically everything Drew Holiday gave in the regular season, and maybe even help them a little more because I know he wants to push the ball a little more than Drew Holiday did. But I don't know. I mean, they just their bench, like their backup big, like it's terrible. But yeah, I just crept. They crept up for me a little bit. I kind of was just high on the potential they have for just being like solid at everything. Yeah, so that's that's like we're opposite. I think I'm like eight wins higher on Memphis, and you're like eight wins higher than me on on the Pelicans. I have, I have them at thirteenth in the West, and I don't know, just clunky fit with Steve Adams and Zion, which is yet to be proven. Their bench, like Nicola Melli, Josh Hart, um, Nikhil Alexander Walker type units, JJ Redick, I guess. I don't know, and I'm not sold on Lonzo Ball as a. Uh, as our YouTube hater pointed out, and so it's just up to Zion and his health. But yeah, no, I don't fully see it. I don't think they're that great. Um, but yeah, I'd be excited to be proven wrong though. If uh, if Zion's this good, actually is this good? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just was able. At the end of the day, I just kind of was betting on their solidness. Uh, like we've already destroyed the Stephen Adams deal. Just the trade for him, the contract extension, the idea of the fit, like just every aspect of it we've already talked about and just how poor it was. But um, at the end of the day, he's still like a average-ish NBA player, tough guy who those type of guys can be helpful to just make sure you win the games you're supposed to win. Um, with him and Zion, you're going to be a great offensive rebounding team in their minutes together. And then just solidness all around, but... A lot of like holes and like not the, like terrible spacing and stuff like that. But then when you switch JJ out with one of your starters, and spacing goes from being terrible to all right. And then that's kind of all you need with Zion at times. But Josh Hart, I mean, really solid too. 
And I was just kind of thinking that maybe one other bench guy steps up and you can get like a solid eight-man rotation. Maybe it's Alexander Walker. Maybe it's Nicole Melli. It can be passable or whatever. It may, I don't think it's Jackson Hayes after just watching him for two or three games in the 15 minutes he's played is like terrible. But um, I, I don't know. They're going to be interesting. A lot of it does ride on just how good Zion can actually be, how much he can contribute to winning. Yeah, I mean, I don't have super strong conviction about it. I just ended up putting them lower and less sold on them. But, but yeah, so we, it looks like we have about nine of the ten same teams. Uh, With the Pelicans, Grizzly being the only difference? Yep, yep. Yeah, and I real probably, quick. I'd probably like to – definitely would want to take the Grizzlies out. I might actually – if I could redo it right now, I might actually put the Spurs in there. Uh, I like Given the choice. Wow, Spurs not even the Kings? No, I I'm still not. I don't know. I yeah, gotta get, see more. I gotta see more get, on Sacramento. Let's get to that in like one minute. I'll finish up real quick on Warriors and Rockets. Uh, yeah, basically everything you said about Warriors, and I don't know the status of Draymond's injury, but he's just so important for that group they have because like they're asking everyone to do basically like one or two steps up in the total pole of what they usually do would do without him, and he's the type of guy who with with his super high IQ and just like always being the right place, right time, like, and just the fact that he's a good passer and he's always setting people up to do the right things. Like, I mean, I just think he takes the guys, he takes them to the best version of themselves. And um, guys like Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins would be would benefit so much by having him. And then just looking at your second unit too, like guys like Wanamaker, Kent Bazemore, I mean, those are fine players to be in a rotation, but they can't, like, run a second unit. You need, like, one more, one or two more good people to have, like, staggered to run with them. So... I think Draymond will be huge, but without him, it, it looks really bad. Yeah, not a ton to add. Just, I'm not, I wish I had the Warriors for a few less wins after watching them get smacked the first two teams. Yeah, same. Uh, I mean, I think they're a real risk to finish around 11 or 12 and not even make 10. Who knows with the Rockets? Like, they're such a wild card because with uh, James Harden still looking like the best offensive player in basketball despite looking 10 pounds heavier. And with the Sixers looking like they have some real issues, maybe a trade's incoming a little sooner than we thought. Um, yeah, Harden's, I mean, he's only played two games, but he's, like, averaging 39 on, like, I think it was, like, 70-something true shooting. Got, like, he had his career high in, his assi- in assists the first time he ever played with Christian Wood. Like, that's the thing. That's a pretty good team with um, the – Barber with the barbershop crew when they're actually healthy. If like we just knew Harden was staying for the season, you add John John Wall, Eric Gordon, and Demarcus Cousins have been Macklemore to what they've been showing the two games. Like that's actually a pretty good team, and I think they definitely would have been top six for me had like it just been a normal year. It's like we know Harden's going to be here the whole year, but I don't know. Ten's just a hedge for whatever trade happens and whatever Harden does for when he's there. Yeah, you sound a lot like the pleas I was making in my head when uh, the Jimmy Butler saga popped up in Minnesota in 2018. We could be we could be good if if he just you know figures it out. We're almost the six seed last year. It's yeah. interesting. I, I don't have a lot to say about the Rockets. We haven't even seen their full team. Uh, they haven't even played without perennial All Star John Wall and Demarcus Cousins. So. Yeah, I got to wait and see. Yeah, I got a little more on them, though, because, of course, I have to. Um, it just sucks, though, because the, they made, they had a great offseason. Christian Wood is, I mean, I, this is why I picked him for most improved. We'll get to it. But 
Uh, I mean, Harden, he's just like perfect for Christian Wood's career. He's just going to set him up in the perfect place, whether it's popping or rolling to the basket, and then he gets the chance to create a little bit. I mean, that defense definitely needs some work there, but they have so many like defensive wings on this team now. Like they did great with their offseason additions. Like David Nwaba is great for them. Uh, Sterling Brown has looked great. Jay Sean Tate, who they signed out of Australia, has been great. Uh, ben McLemore, when he comes back, that's like your 40% shooter. Eric Gordon's your other scoring wing. Two-way, P.J. Tucker, he's probably taking a little step back, but, I mean, John Wall actually being able to knock down catch-and-shoot threes as your number two option. This could be a pretty good team, but sadly, who knows? Yeah, I think they could be good on offense, but is this team stopping anyone? No, I think they're like a top, like, it. assuming full team, it'd be like a top three offense and like 15, like somewhere from like 13 to 18 on defense. And that might be aggressive. It depends what P.J. Tucker has left in him. but yeah, A lot of it, too, would depend on if, like, Christian Wood, like, just progresses throughout the season because, I mean, he's still so young in his playing career. Um, but it, it's it's been pretty bad for him on the defensive end so far. Yeah. Um, all right, so you want to move into our predictions for the non-playing? Yeah, so bottom five are... Spurs, Timberwolves, Pelicans, the aforementioned, and I have the Kings 14th, which I'm sure you're going to love, and then the Thunder last, which I'm certain that we agree upon. Yep. Um, I had Spurs 11, Kings 12, Grizzlies 13, Wolves 14, Thunder 15. Um, yes, yeah, so we, we don't even need to talk about Thunder at 15. We agree on it. I talk about the Grizzlies. I, I just wish I would have been higher in the Kings. This is like the one time I wasn't high in the Kings going into the year. I was like, oh, I've been burned too many times by them. And I don't know what it is about Sacramento coaches that decide they want to wait to their second year to start pushing the ball with De'Aaron Fox. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to be high on them, but I ended up – I don't know. But but do you actually, though? So, I mean, they played only – they only played four games, but they're 15th in offense, 15th in defense so far. And just, like, so look at their lineup. So, Fox Fox is good. Buddy Heald, is he above average? Maybe he's an average two-guard. Yeah. We'll call him average. Harrison Barnes, is he above average at the three? It's average. No. Okay. Marvin Bagley, is he above average? Don't think so. Starter, yeah. probably not. Rashawn Holmes, is he above average starter? He's probably, probably average. Not. And then you got Corey Joseph, Hassan Whiteside, uh, Glenn Robinson the third coming off the bench. Like Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, so Halliburton, and I actually watched a bunch of cut-ups of his assists so far, and he looks like he sees the court really well and just like has a great feel for the game. And his jumper's going in already, too. I saw him clap back on Twitter saying, yeah. and they they said my shot wouldn't translate or something, which was hilarious. But, like, I don't know. Why, why, why do you wish you are higher on this team? What is good about this team? They just have, like, the perfect system going well, on or you just believe in fox being um, like amazing or what yeah fox can be like uh back in top 10 level starting point guard and then just a lot of average and competence like i mean you gotta think about it too they'd be like nine to ten deep of competent players um assuming Be- Bielitsa too we didn't oh yeah we forgot yeah i forgot about Bielitsa. that that makes 10 if you count halliburton of like legit rotation competent players uh and you could definitely throw out rosters and well, I guess that might be a stretch to include Bagley, um, but at least nine. Uh, but yeah, and you can throw out like lineups that make a lot of sense too, where you have Halliburton and Fox just one and two pushing it like crazy, and then just wings around them with your center. Um, 
There's a lot of competent guys off the bench. But I'm not like high on them, like top six seed or something, but I wish I would have been like higher on their chances of making the play and like maybe consider them over like the Warriors or something like that. Um, like just a chance at the 10th seed, I'm saying, and like maybe kick the Warriors out of it. But I mean, that's a lot. I think that's a lot of competence and like just solid play for a team that I projected to be the 12th seed. And most 12 yeah. seeds aren't, aren't usually that good, I think. All right, I'll have to see it. I, I just, by default, I think of the Kings being terrible, which they have been for 15 years. And like I already went through the roster, doesn't really wow me. So I'm not going to bite on the first four games. Well, looking yeah. Decent. Well, and like last year, they were, I've talked about this before, but last year they were pretty good. Like they were in the running to the end. Um, and like they, De'Aaron Fox had like a grade three ankle sprain at one point, which is like the worst kind. And then they also like, had a start off 0 and 5 that they blamed on the India trip. Again, who knows how much you can, how much credit you can give that, but it makes sense to think that if you go over to a whole other country and do all this crazy stuff during your preseason, that you could start slow. But they lost like five close games to start the season and then had their best player get injured, a few other random injuries, and they still finished with a puncher's chance to make the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I would only expect better this year. And if they're playing in a system that fits them more, with it's probably. Well, I don't know about better talent because they would be missing McDonavich, uh, missing yeah. McDonavich, but better injury luck probably. I mean, you can should be able to assume that because it was pretty bad. Yeah, that's all I was gonna say. They also did lose like one of their best three players in Bogdan for nothing, but we got Halliburton. We'll see. Yeah, we'll what are your see. what are your thoughts on the Spurs? Because didn't you say you wanted to move them up? Yeah, I don't know. I just like all, all their youth, basically. I love Sheldon Johnson. Uh, DeJounte Murray's looked really good. And then, like, DeMar DeRozan, I don't know if it's just, like, one month a season that he kind of transforms, but he's looked great for two weeks. He's, like, even bombing a couple threes a game, and even, like, two or three games, two or three threes a game is bombing for him. But I don't know. They, they've just impressed me so far. Uh, like, I think they're in their minds, the youth movement was different than trying to win, whereas those guys might actually just be some of their best players, like seeing more of DeJounte, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. Um, and I just think any team coached by Pop, uh, even though he's getting up there, is going to be a solid one, uh, fundamentals and not making too many dumb mistakes. And I think that I think they have enough to be in the mix for 9, 9-10 or something. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like. <laughs> That's the thing about like when I was making my predictions, like there was there another team I wanted to be high on, but there's just the West is so stacked this year and gotta I mean there's gotta be a line drawn somewhere and they just ended up uh what I have them eleven. Yeah, I had them eleven, so just out of the reach of the play, playing game, but definitely think they could make it. Uh, agree with everything you said about them. It's crazy too how DeMar DeRozan just decides to randomly start shooting threes. Um Khalil from Off the Glass responded to our tweet before this one about just, like, takeaways from this season. I don't know how much you've watched of the Spurs so far, but have they been playing DeRozan at the four? He mentioned that in the tweet. Uh, if so, props to them. I can definitely – I'm glad Pop would be willing to try that. Um, we, that's something I'm going to have to look into because that would be a super fun lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think they should be doing. I mean, I think it's been more, uh, like, Keldon, Keldon at the four – but I don't know, on, on cleaning the glass, they have him like 40 percent uh, at the three and sixty percent at the four. So it looks like wow. he has been getting um, some time there. But 
I think it's mostly been just one big, so either like Aldridge or Pirtle, and then a lot of their young guards, uh, DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, Rudy Gay, and just like mixing and matching of those guys. Yeah. But Derek haven't White. watched a ton yet. Derek White hasn't even played yet, has he? No, he hasn't. That's the other thing. He's been out, and they still have been looking pretty solid. I mean, they beat they beat Toronto and they beat Memphis uh, before Morant went out. So the seventy million dollar man. What was his contract? Was it seventy two? Somewhere Who's, around there, Derek White. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was seventy two. Uh, touch more than I was willing to give out, but um, could, look, could look good. Yeah, and only other team we haven't really touched on is the Wolves. Uh, what what ended up having me be so low on them is like something we talked about when we like dedicate like thirty minutes to talking about them was I just think it's a really hard team to figure out rotations and stuff like that. So I think it's a tough coaching job in general. And then what ended up having me like put them below all these teams was it, it's kind of, it will cat end up getting hurt, but I just saw, like you saw his like quote the other day, just about how like damaged he is as a person. Like I guess like, I just was not expecting him to be a peak version of himself this season, as sad as it is just what he went through, but it's got to factor in for predictions. So I just, projected there since he's their best player uh, i just projected them to end up below these other teams that they're kind of similar talent level yeah seven deaths in the family is crazy uh, i feel super bad for him and of course he gets injured when like now i think people are going to start saying he has like injury problems when i think he missed one game in his first four seasons and then last year he fell on his wrist and sprained it and missed like a month and then the season ended or whatever um, and now he's hurt again but Nah, super disappointing because they started out 2-0 and and they beat the Jazz on the road, which is pretty wild for them. I thought it was like a huge upset win since I think the Jazz are really good. And then they just had two complete no-chancers against the L.A. teams without Cat. And, yeah, it looks super fragile. If if he misses time, like, he, they just need him more than anything. They actually do have a decent amount of wings. Like, who knows how many of them are that great, but they at least like have some guys that they can throw in the mix and not completely change everything. But without Cat, I mean, everything changes about their offense. They also have, he's not even a good defender, but they have zero rim protection without him. Like the, it, we were seeing Ed Davis last night, who I don't even know if he belongs in the NBA. Nas Ree is just so young and bigs take some time usually to figure out defenses and pick and roll coverages. And he's also a little too slight. He's not super athletic. He uh, can't like jump up and swat people. So I think they're in for a world of hurt until Towns returns. Yeah, I agree. Um, you want to move on to our Eastern Conference? Yeah, why don't you start this one? All right, we can fly through these a little quicker. So my top six is Bucks, Nets, Celtics, 76ers, Heat, Raptors. Um, yeah, I just was pretty high on what the Nets could be before even seeing KD play. Um, just crazy deep. Definitely. And I just uh, thought if we get like 75% of KD, that's a good team regardless. Uh, but it turns out he looks great. Bucks, they were really tough because they've been like a regular season juggernaut. And they definitely, the moves they made should probably help their postseason play, but it seemed like it was definitely going to hurt their regular season play. But I mean, it's still Giannis in a system that's optimized around him and uh, Coach Bud, great regular season coach. So I, I really struggled with coming up with my one seed for the regular season for the but or for the East, but defaulted back to the Bucks and then Celtics, 76ers, Heat, Raptors. Can see that going a lot of different ways, but that was my order for three through six. 
Yes, we have the same six teams. I also had the Bucks first. Um, so I agree. I think they're a little bit weaker for regular season. They, I, how do you lose to the Knicks by twenty? Like I, I don't even understand that. But, but yeah. But I had them first. Uh, maybe just taking some time to get used to kind of like the changeover that they had in the roster. Um, so I had the Heat second, Celtics, Nets, Sixers, Raptors. So we had some difference in the order. The Nets, I have like five wins less than you, and I haven't been the four seed. And that was just predicated on I thought KD and Kyrie would sit out quite a bit. Um, they do have a lot of depth to handle that, except for now Dinwiddie's hurt. Of course, I didn't know that at the time, but but yeah, I just thought with shuffling pieces around and resting that they might not be so great in the regular season. But I have them doing big things in the playoffs, as we'll get to. Yeah, Celtics were tough for me too. Um, I taught myself into them being the number one defense on our offense defense pod. Uh, part of that was because Brad Stevens had been starting Javante Green in the regular season, in the preseason, but I don't think he's barely even played so far. But um, still think they'll be really good in the regular season. Yeah. So I think, I, he's, I think he's hurt at the moment, actually. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's not playing tonight anyway. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I was just a little lower on the heat for the regular season just because. I mean, I think they're some of the guys who went crazy in the bubble, like Goran Dragic. Um, trying to, yeah, Goran Dragic, really, yeah, hero, hero yeah. Um, I think there's some regression there, and just in general, Dragic, like he's not gonna play as much in the regular season. Jimmy Butler thought wasn't gonna play as much, but he had been playing like 36 minutes a game until he got a little injury. He's sitting out now, but I thought going from Jay Crowder to Mo Harkless was gonna be a step back. Um, yeah, I just didn't think they'd be quite as good as a regular season team. And what, who was who your sixth seed out of that group? The Raptors. Okay, yeah, so agreement there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. The Heat, I don't even love the Heat. But I, I just, I didn't know who I would put second. Like, I, I don't feel great about Boston because Kemba's injury and Gordon Hayward. And I already talked about the Nets. <laughs> all. I didn't know regular season for them. And the Sixers, I'm not sold on by any means. Um so, yeah, I, I just, by default, kind of the Heat landed second. I don't even love them so much. Yeah, that was a really – it was really tough to figure out order for them for the regular season. Um, so, my 7 through 10, I had Hawks, Pacers, Wizards, Hornets. What was yours? Uh, so, mine's Pacers, Hawks, Wizards, Magic. I just – sometimes I like to sprinkle a little randomness into my predictions because at the end of the day, it's – I mean, it, there is going to be some things that you just can't see coming. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be the year that the magic just falls off. Um, and it's looking like I was the exact opposite. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what I was thinking so far as they're actually the best record in the league because they're 4 0. And has anyone else played four games? Let me pull the standings back up. No, they Not do have the best. Team. Yep, they have the best record in the league at 4 0. So pretty dead wrong about that so far. But. Yeah, Hawks, Pacers, Wizards. Was that the same seven through nine, just different order? Yeah, I just had, yeah, I just had the Pacers seven, Hawks eight. Yeah, that's who knows. I actually had the Wizards three games. I had thirty eight wins, thirty seven wins for Hawks, Pacers, then Wizards thirty four. So I saw a little drop off there. I just think um, I really like what the Hawks did this offseason. I think that roster makes a lot of sense. I think they'll be great offense. I think their offense will end up being a little bit better than the Wizards. Um, I don't know, when I watched that game against the Sixers, when, like, Davis Bertans caught fire and then Bradley Beal hit a few shots, too, like, that Wizards offense is pretty lethal, but I just think their defense is going to be so terrible, and 
They're going to have some other issues. Don't love Scott Brooks as their coach. Um, I think Westbrook and Bill are just going to play your turn, my turn, and can ruin some things. So, And apparently they do this thing where they pay, play their three point guards at the same time. Like, Obviously didn't know that before, but it just makes no sense in that second unit playing Westbrook, Ishmith, and Hull Neto together. Like, no, if you listen to Dunked on Prime, like you've heard them talk about that any chance they get with the Wizards. But yeah, I remember I remember seeing that in the first game. And I just cannot think of any possible logic behind playing like, especially considering how small Ishmith and how Neto are. But not enough. Yeah, that's a head scratcher for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Orlando has beaten the Thunder Wizards and Wizards again, so not like their four 0 start is too impressive. They did beat the Heat, but. Like, I don't feel great about the Magic either. Like, they fell, what, 10th for me? So, definitely not uh, patting myself on the back by any means. And they've been in the 8 or 7th seed for, like, two or three years in a row now. Um, but, yeah, I had the Hornets, uh, like, 13. So, actually, I don't know. I'm not a big believer in them. But, like you said, yeah. you're kind of looking for an upstart type team. Yeah, and then I just, I just kind of taught myself into the idea of, Graham and Rogier, we've talked about a lot before. Like Rogier had a really good year, year last year, and Graham uh, is a pretty solid shot creator. And they play the right way, create a lot of threes. Gordon Hayward, just a pretty good player to make add into the mix. Um, Cody Zeller is a competent center. PJ Washington, if he takes some steps up, maybe he's looking at actually like a, being like a starter level forward. Some interesting young guys, uh, Lamelo Ball. I mean. Rookies are t- usually don't really contribute to winning, but we're talking about the 10th seed here, so <laughs> I was thinking maybe if it's a, yeah. high, a little bit of a higher end outcome, and he's in a pretty good environment to succeed to, like usually getting to share the court at all times with one of Graham or Rozier, and Rozier's a really good complimentary guard. Graham's just a, another good guard in general, and especially if it's against second units, so I just kind of bought into that their pieces might work happily decent together. Yeah, and Rozier has been good again already. He had like 42 points in the first game. Yeah, uh, so much happened on that first day that I'm just like scrolling through things. See, he hit 10 threes. Like... Yeah, I'm declaring victory on uh, last year. I was talking about Rozier quite a bit and how teams should trade for him. And people thought he's a terrible contract. And he, I think he's just like a completely fine contract. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely worth it. Um, yeah, that's a solid deal by the Hornets. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then I had Magic at 11. Then 12 to 15, we can kind of fly through. I had Bulls, Pistons, Cavs, Knicks. Only thing I'll say is, so I had the Cavs second to last, and I'm mad I didn't do it now because they started good, but I wanted to be a little higher on them. I was like, you know, these guards get a little better and just love and drumming or just kind of love and drumming. Like, that's got to be something, right? But I was like, nah, it's Cleveland, like, Something's gonna happen. Like they're just gonna be terrible. But I mean, they're looking competent. Yeah, they have beat uh, Charlotte and Detroit, and I think 76ers without Embiid. But but yeah, I, I like Garland coming out of the draft a ton. I like really wanted Minnesota to get Garland. And then he was just abysmal last year, but he's looked really good so far. Um, playmaking and scoring and then Sexton has been on fire uh, I think most of it has been kind of like living in the mid-range which you don't really love to see but I mean it works for certain players it works for like Chris Paul it worked for Dirk so it's not like if, if that's your sweet spot it's not like it's bad offense if it's going in at a high enough rate um, but yeah they haven't really beat anyone so far and Drummond Drummond is just like a stat monster he, it's so hard to get a gauge on how good he actually is and he's been super 
thirsty so far. I've seen him take a couple threes, and he's just looking for his in his contract season. But he, he can be good against in certain matchups. Like, he, he's out there dropping 22, 19, three blocks, three steals. And, like, it's probably a decent flyer for them to take. They weren't going to do anything uh, with their cap space anyway. So, I don't know. Yeah, they could be frisky. I, I had them second to last also. And I had them with less wins in the Thunder. So, I am definitely... Shaking my head up about this start. It's pretty wild, but still early. Yep. Um, don't really need to say anything about anyone else. Um, so, who was your Western Conference champ? So, I had the Clippers. And I also had the Clippers. And for the Eastern... And just for the record, like like we do for all sorts of predictions type things, like we never talk about it before we don't show each other anything. Um We've already had a lot the same, but it's just going to keep getting getting more. Um, so, Eastern Conference, I had the Nets. I had the and Nets as well. you had the Nets as well. And I flip-flopped on my winner, but I went Nets in seven with yep, so I, Kevin oh. Kevin Durant being my finals MVP. Yep, so, I had Clippers in six with Kawhi being the MVP. Um, yeah, the thing is, it's weird, the Nets. I already said I wasn't that excited about the regular season. I, I don't even know... Like I, I, I don't think the East is good. <laughs> I guess is what I figured out when I went through this. At least at like the top, top level. Like maybe Boston could come out of the East. Like the Bucks probably could again, but they've shown to be a pretty flawed playoff team. Um, I guess it's got to be one of the Nets, Bucks, Celtics, or Heat, right? It has to be one of those four. Well, I'll add the 76ers to that group, but um, really, what? Yeah. Well, are they getting hardened? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's a real enough possibility because, I mean, that just seems inevitable, but that's a real enough possibility where it has to be factored into the analysis. But also, I think there's a scenario where if they just make a normal type of upgrade somewhere or whatever, like they just make like one small move where that and everything clicks, where that's a good enough team if some luck goes that way. But that's what I was about to get to. Like, the thing about predictions is, you don't just go off the median outcome of things. Like you have to predict if you think some things are going to click more than others. Like maybe you can make like a order of like likelihood you think things will happen. But if you're just like locking in like a stone cold prediction, it's not just going to be the median outcome. It's not like, okay, well this could happen, but this could happen. You have to kind of guess what you think will actually happen. And I think we both kind of with the nets, we're both betting on a high end outcome for them. And I mean, watching already just like, how well they performed at times this year. They had some dud games already, but um, just KD looks, I mean, ju- literally just as good as he was. He looks better on defense. Like he looks great on defense. And one one note I had about Kyrie. Um, so he's had the injury issues and obviously the just media things. Like I just call it weirdness the last few years. And I think just as a whole, like NBA Twitter community decided that Dame was better than Kyrie just because he's way more likable and he's been continuing to get better and playing pretty good and just around like the same level. So I think kind of as a whole, people have put like Dame over Kyrie, but I don't know. I think Kyrie's kind of taken that crown back this year. Like I think people forget how good Kyrie actually was at his peak and with Steph looking a little, a little slower, not quite what he used to be. I think Kyrie's probably looking like the best point guard in the league right now. And KD is looking pretty great. Got depth all around them. Steve, I think Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni are going to have this offense going crazy, which is why I picked him as the number one offense. Or no, I think I picked him as number two. Yeah, Utah won them too. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I just think they're going to end up hitting one of their highest-end outcomes. Well, I guess this is the highest-end outcome if I have them winning the finals. But when it came down to looking at that matchup, I was like, all right, Clippers versus Nets in a final setting. I think I trust Kyrie more than Paul George when it comes to the championship-level guys. And I just, like, liked if things hit – if things are, like, clicking for the Nets to have them in the finals, that means, like, things are going to be clicking. So um, I like – some of the potential, like their bench unit looks great, even though you're not going to, that's not a reason to pick the finals because like your best player is going to play the majority of the minutes. But at the end of the day, I think the Nets will end up being the best team at their peak. Do you think, who do you envision the Nets putting on Kawhi or Paul George? That's something I struggle with too. I mean, I guess KD's <laughs> got to take one. I mean, yeah, I think, I think you put KD on, I think you put KD on Kawhi just because Paul George runs off screens more. <laughs> despite his uh, famous quotes. But uh, he'll, he runs off screens, and you probably don't want KD doing that. But Kawhi, he's got the size, but what he's trying to do is get to his spots. And even if he puts his shoulder into KD to create space, like KD's so long, like he's still going to contest that shot really well. And he, and he's still like, yeah, he's super skinny, stuff, but he's not going to get bullied. Like, no one's going to bully him. So, I... Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still. Uh, I think... It'll be tough. Matchup will be tough too, but also you got to remember that Paul George and Kawhi are going to be asked to guard the two of the best offensive players in the game for 48 minutes a night. So they're going to be putting 100% effort in on the defensive end. So, well, they won't be guarding Kyrie. That'll be Beverly. Yeah, Beverly. that yeah, that won't be the whole time, I guess. But I think at the like important moments, you would probably want Paul George and Kyrie over Beverly. But yeah, you're right. I forgot about Beverly for a second. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I'm not saying that they have no chance by any means. I was just saying, like, that's worrisome for the Nets. Like, they're wing defenders. I guess they're going to put TLC probably heavy minutes on one of them or just yeah. live with, like, Joe Harris. I don't I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to, to see that. Do you think Dinwiddie is a big enough loss that if you could change it, you would or no? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think... What's crazy, my head's like running through so many different dominoes right now because I'm like, are they going to make – what are the odds are they gonna, they're going to make a move to get better? Like, does that need to be considered in my analysis? Because, like, last year looking at the Clippers, like they, they made their Paul George trade and purposely left themselves the 2020 first-round pick to be in a trade. And they had Mo Harkless as an $11 million expiring, perfectly fine for their contract. So, like, that was per- that had to be factored in. Like, you got to think they're going to make some sort of move to get better. I feel like in like my the dominoes in my head right now is like okay so if the if Philly goes after Harden which I think is inevitable that means the Nets are probably gonna make a move to get better too right um, yeah just trying to look at what it is now uh, yeah I might that might be just enough for me to switch to like Clippers and seven I don't know that's so tough I I should have been more prepared for that <laughs> I hadn't thought about that yet no that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be an awesome matchup if those two did play each other. Uh, you mentioned it briefly earlier, but, like, Nick Batum, I think, is really nice for the Clippers. Who knows if he'll stay healthy, but I think I was even talking about teams who, as, like, a big salary dump, um, when we were talking about trades a lot last year, that I don't know what happened to him in Charlotte, but even if he is, like, 60% of what he used to be, he's just, like, a smart passer wing who can, like, defend a little bit, get his hands on passing lanes, and, like, I feel like he can make like a wide open three, which he should be getting plenty of with uh, George and Kawhi and even Lou Williams uh, and Kennard creating some offense. So I thought he was a nice 
under the radar pickup for them, who's been playing a lot already. Like yeah. starts plays like thirty minutes a night. So who knows if he'll last? But just like another piece that you don't think about. But those guys do matter in the playoffs. And yeah, especially role players come up huge every year. He's playing like thirty uh, one game. I know for a fact they play like thirty six minutes. Uh, obviously, Marcus Morris is out, but yeah, that's right. still crazy to think. Um, all right, so. Uh, real quick, do you want do you want to talk about why you went uh, Clippers over Lakers? For me, it's just last year I kind of thought they were a little bit better. I don't know how much weight to put towards bubble basketball, um, and then I kind of think they got a they got better, they got considerably better this year. And the Lakers, I don't know if they got better. Like if Marcus Saul's washed, then I mean Montrezl Harrell is a downgrade for them. I think over, but not in terms of a raw player, but in terms of at the highest level, needing that player to do role player type things and play good defense. When you compare him to Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, I think that's a downgrade. Um, Wes Matthews is only playing like 15 minutes a night, so maybe he's washed. Uh, maybe KCP. Actually, KCP, his shot looks really good, like just from the eye test. Like he's shooting like crazy confident now. And it, I don't know what he's shooting on this year, but I've watched one game and he's like shot pretty well this year. And it, it looks really nice. So I think he's in there to stay. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think the Clippers made better moves and helped their team more. And I was probably already a little higher on them in general, despite what happened last year. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I'm feeling the Clippers. Yeah, the Lakers, I think, easily could come out of the West. I think I just leaned the Clippers based on lebron being one year older who knows maybe father time starts to get to him uh also just like they were so good on defense last year especially in the playoffs that was like their calling card and to put in harrell and schroeder into like heavy minutes i think is really gonna hurt their defense so like you said it's kind of like their moves around the margins i think that just takes away or eats away at like one of their biggest strengths from a season ago um anytime you have two superstars with like solid pieces around them sure like they could easily get to the finals and win the finals but I would. That's just kind of why I lean Clippers. Yep. Um, so now moving on to our regular season MVP. What's so crazy about this is we did top five because that's uh, what's on the ballot for MVP, and we had the same exact top five. And when I thought a year in a year we're like to, like there's a lot of wild cards who could hop up on a ballot, but not even did we have the same exact top five. We wrote everyone's full name except for Giannis. We both just only wrote Giannis. So I thought I was looking at my own ballot for a second when I was looking at yours. But um, I guess I'll just read off my top five. So I have Luka, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Jokic, and then Kevin Durant. Yeah, I had Luka, Giannis, Durant, Jokic, Anthony Davis. I'm kind of... The Luca pick is weird because like I wasn't high on the map. Neither one of us were like high on the. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but then I was like, well, I still view him as the best overall candidate. Maybe the maps finished a little better than what I predicted, or it's just everyone in the top six is like so close, like we think it could end up being, and he's just far and away the best candidate. I'm, I'm a little worried about that now because he hasn't had the best start, but obviously it's such a short period, of, like such a small sample size, but. I don't know. I mean, I haven't really watched the Mavs much, but if they're like slightly above 500, there's probably not a good chance he's winning this. And I kind of thought Anthony Davis was going to come out like this was going to be the year where like LeBron's like creates the narrative from day one, like oh Anthony Davis is the MVP or whatever. And 
like when an, narratives can definitely catch steam, but especially when it's like a, a LA based one. And I did mine mostly based on how I think it should be, but I did factor in a little like for tiebreakers and things like that based off how I think it'll end up playing out based off how the media will vote it. Um, so yeah, and I just thought Giannis voter fatigue and might take just rest more and just Drew Holiday will take a bigger load. And Chris Middleton was just so good on offense last year. I think he might end up taking a bigger load. So it's factored in things like that for Giannis to take the step back. Um, yeah, you can talk about some of your thoughts. I have some definitely have some thoughts on Jokic, but I'll let you talk about some of your guys for a second. Yeah, just the Luca piece. I, I was most worried about picking him when I had Dallas finishing six, kind of like you talked about. But if you go through it, like I had the Nuggets one. It's really hard for a big man to get it who is going to average like 18 to 20 points a game in Jokic. Like, I mean, I have Jokic on my ballot. He's, he certainly could. But that seems like a bit of a stretch. The Clippers, Kawhi is never going to get it. He doesn't play enough games. I can't see Paul George being thrust back into the top of the MVP. The Lakers, Davis and LeBron can take votes from each other. They're also going to rest a lot. Um, the Jazz, I don't see as having like a real contender uh, for MVP. And same for the Suns. And then Giannis, voter fatigue, and like you said, a little bit less offensive load. And then I, I don't know. I don't know who else I would pick. It, like, I don't want to say by default, but he's going to average like 28, 10, and 8 for a solid team. Like Westbrook won it as like a 5 seed or 4 seed or something uh, a few years ago, which a lot of people disagree with. But I'm just saying it's not impossible. And if you go through it, like I don't think the teams that have more wins are going to have like a dominant candidate outside of maybe Jokic or maybe Anthony Davis. But yeah, I think uh, Luca's numbers plus plus Porzingis is out, so they're gonna say, you know, he he kept them afloat as a five seed in a loaded West without Porzingis, no true number two player. Like I could easily see that uh, carrying the day for him. Yeah, I I think he's the most likely candidate, and it basically go exactly how you just mapped it out. But I and like one, so my thoughts about Jokic and Durant at four and five. I'll start with Durant, the less hot take here. Um, I think now Kyrie's been so good, and with the rest games, like I think it's a very real chance that they kind of like uh, split votes a little bit, and neither one of them ends up on the ballot. But I think Kyrie will probably end up stealing at least some portion of KD's votes, just because I mean, he's I think he's scoring more at this point, but he's looked great. Like Kyrie is peak Kyrie right now, um, and KD just kind of defers a little bit naturally. So if they don't finish as like a top three seed, and they they're both just playing really good or something like that. Which just a lot of different scenarios. I see Kyrie taking some of Katie's votes at least. So I think he might have fallen off the ballot, especially there's a lot of people kind of clumped up in that area. But I actually think there's a very real chance Jokic wins this now. Um, I think the, the it's kind of a similar case to, uh, to Doncic. I just think there's a very real chance that if the Nuggets finish as like a probably t- even six, but... I think they definitely have to be above that play in line, but top if they're in the especially a high end outcome where they're like a two or three seed, I mean it's realistic for them to get the one seed too. So um anywhere in that top six, but like obviously the higher they finish the better the odds. I think Jokic could very, very well win this because I mean he's putting up crazy numbers and they're running everything through him. I think they saw like like in the playoffs they took it to another level of how much runs through him and then when it's not him, it's two man game between him and uh Jamal Murray, and I think they're staggering them a little bit more this year just because of the offensive, uh, like, drop-off. So, I mean, he's just putting up crazy numbers. Like, I think he's averaging a triple-double right now through the first few games. 
13 was, and a half assists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I don't think he's going to average a triple-double, and obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you that Westbrook should have been third in that MVP when he averaged his first uh, set of triple his first triple-doubles, and it's still a meaningful thing. Like, it's still meaningful to say that someone's averaging a triple-double, especially um, as a big to get that many assists, but the offense is going to run through him, so there's a very real chance he's, like, the hub of a top-five offense, top five, like, record-wise team while putting up triple-double-like numbers and and being, like, passable on defense because he's just so smart. Like, I mean, I think there's a very real chance he has, like, a 25, not 25, but, like, a 24, 22 to 24 points and then 8 to 12, or 8, 8 to 10 assists and, like, 10 to 12 rebounds on good efficiency. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir because I have Denver as the one seed, so this is all the things I love to hear. But I will say the one thing that could go against him, even if he does all that, is if their defense is atrocious and he's the center, he's kind of supposed to be anchoring that. Like right now, only Minnesota and Houston have a worse defense. Granted, it's been four games, but they've given, been getting lit up by like the Kings. And if, if they're like floundering as like a five seed and they have like a bottom six defense and he's the center, maybe that pushes people off of giving him like an MVP vote, um, at least the number one spot. But no, I think he, I mean, I have him on my list. Like, I think he could be right there. It, the one and three start doesn't exactly give me confidence, but he, he could be right there. Yeah, I am pretty low in their defense as a whole. So that is probably the biggest obstacle there. But offensive wise, I mean, He's probably making a case to be top probably, – I mean, probably make the argument he's the third best offensive player or top three offensive player in the regular season. I mean, it, it's carried over to playoffs a lot. But, I mean, Harden, Luka, him, I mean, I think there's definitely an argument for that. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. You got LeBron, well, Curry, KD, Kawhi. Yeah, KD and Ky- – uh, yeah, KD and Kyrie being back in it does make it kind of tough, but there's definitely an argument. Um, Any more? Uh, so by also consider, because like, like I said, I think there's so many potential guys to finish out the ballot. I put James Harden, Embiid, Jason Tatum, and LeBron. Um, Harden, I mean, he's perennial MVP candidate, and I just figured voters aren't going to show him love after all the stuff he's done this year, and there's chance for some sort of drop off but I mean like I was talking about in the beginning like he's been he looks the exact same on offense he, he's actually in bubble form which bubble form he was making like he made his like first 11 twos in the bubble or something like crazy like that and he finished the bubble shooting like 80% from two or maybe it was around the rim uh, it was one of those two stats I think it was around the rim actually but like that was one of his problems with the regular season last year was like he just wasn't getting burst on his layups and like didn't wasn't able to really get downhill too much in the pick and roll but in the bubble like he was great finishing and he looked like that in his first two games despite being a little heavier um and that maybe there's a chance he gets traded to a contender and he's like been putting up crazy numbers with Houston and then he just helps the contender get better so I think I actually think he'll find his way back on this ballot because I mean how's he I just don't see any route to him not averaging like 32 to 34 a game this year like he just it just comes too easy to him at this point. Yeah, but it would actually shock me if he made the ballot. Like, you I think mean, people are going to want to reward him and being. How can he be most valuable? Like, wh- what are we just saying here? If he's not even going to finish the year on the team that he started with by his yeah. own choice. So there's all sorts of things like that. But just trying to look at it as pure of a basketball sense as possible. Like, I mean, I 
and I think voters have gotten better at that part, partially just because of like how much accountability there is. That like your votes get released to the public, and um, well, actually, I don't know if uh, the votes. I know the count does. I don't know if individual votes do, but in general, like I think there's a lot more accountability with voters, and voters are a little bit better. There's you still see like that one dude on Twitter who votes like Luca for all defense and Andre Drummond for all defense and Hassan Whiteside, Whiteside like. And he's just like talks about it so often and brags, but I don't know how that guy says a vote, but whatever. Um, but yeah, just looking at it from pure basketball sense, like I like I said, I don't I don't see any way he doesn't average like at least thirty two points a game. And in his rocket stays, he's gonna rack up the assists because James like uh, Christian Wood, he just lobs it to every pick and roll. He's got pick and pop threats. Like role players know to just let the threes fly when it comes to them off a drive, like. I think he's going to push his career high in assists again this year in his Rockets days. And he grabs a good bit of rebounds as a guard. Pretty efficient. Uh, definitely really efficient in terms of like true shooting and E-field goal. Going to lead the league in free throws. Defense will probably be worse than usual this year. But, yeah, I mean, I don't see any way to where he does end up deserving a top five spot. I mean, maybe if it's, like, most outstanding player, like, he'd be a lock to be, like, top three. Um, I just don't think he'll get any votes because of people who say valuable is, like, what you're bringing to your team and what he brought to the team is distress and a trade demand. Yeah. Uh, the, so I think the best route for him to actually make it on balance is crazy stats and no more distractions as a Rocket than whatever team he gets traded to. It happens pretty soon, and he helps. And it's obvious he helps boost them, like, if he takes the Sixers to the next level or something like that, I think that's his best route for getting out of ballot. Yeah, if he got traded like tomorrow and they were the one seed in Philly and he was averaging like 33 a game, then maybe, but yeah, still. Be well, hard. we usually talk about things pretty in depthly and force them to happen on the pod uh, or the opposite to happen, like on the Minnesota pod, how we talked about not or not Nasrid. Um, what Rondé Hollis Jefferson, how he could play a key role, and then right after we finished recording, he got cut. So maybe well, Harden will be traded before this comes out. Well, funny story though, Wolves power forwards have been literally the biggest flaming bag of garbage in the entire league, and so maybe we were right; they should have kept Jefferson. Um, like Wancho is literally shooting like twenty-one percent and not even playing, and Layman has barely been better than that. They've been playing like Okogi and Edwards, just like sliding them down to the floor. So. I'm just going to say that we were right, that they should have kept him. Has Culver played any four? Yeah, I mean, when they put all those wings out there together, it's whoever you wanted to say. True, but, yeah. But yeah, I think Culver and Okoye probably primarily. Um, okay, so the rest of the awards probably can fly through. Um, rookie of the year, my ballot was LaMelo, Wiseman, Okoro. Mine was LaMelo, Cole Anthony, James Wiseman. The Anthony was just kind of going for something a little outside of the box, and I thought that he would actually get some real playing time and that the Magic could use some scoring, but not a lot of extra analysis beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I he was definitely in consideration for my three spot. Um, I think he's like got a pretty solid role as just like one of the main ball handler, the main ball handler on the second unit. Um, I just thought at the end of the day he wouldn't get quite enough minutes. I thought Okoro might have the case for just. Not a stats guy, but just overall looks really good, and there might not be like a better candidate than him. So, kind of like the Matisse Thybul type case or whatever. But he was on a good team, and he didn't make the ballot. But just uh, some people probably had him on a ballot. Um, and then Wiseman counting stats, like 
it got pretty ma- pretty mad listening to Bill Simmons' recent pod, uh, "What's New," but he's just talking about how he doesn't he doesn't understand. Like, I can get saying, "Oh, I think Wiseman should have been one," but he's like, "I just don't understand how this guy wasn't one," and all his reasons. Like, basically, just he was like, "Sure, if you're just saying he's a crazy athlete, you believe in the shot, believe in the touch, you think it'll all come together." But the thing he was hyping up, he's like, oh, just his feel for the game. I was like, what? I feel like that's, that's the one thing he doesn't have is feel. Like he's kind of just a crazy athlete figuring out how to play. But he has no feel whatsoever. But he'll still get counting stats, and he'll have a starting role on a team that's trying to make the playoffs. So, and based on the way this class is looking at him too, and I don't know if Lamelo's going to end up winning one, but I just thought he'd have the best chance. Maybe put up a ton of assists, ton of rebounds. Just kind of like a eight, eight, and eight type stat line. Yeah, agree with all that. Uh, well, Baller actually has barely been playing, surprisingly, but it's so early. I bet he'll play more, like twenty yeah, it, minutes or so. In and it's hard to bench Rozier when he's making ten threes a night, and Devonte Graham's playing pretty good too. Yeah, and it's hard to play all three, so that'll be interesting. Should we move on to Coach of the Year? Yeah, and this is kind of mine was just in line with my predictions. Quinn Snyder, Steve Nash, Ty Lue. Yeah, so I had Ty Lue and Quinn Snyder as well, but for some reason I picked Rick Carlisle. I think I was just going back on the fact that he is a good coach, and Dallas, if they outperform without Porzingis, like, he could get some buzz. He's widely known as one of the better ones out there, but again, I don't know how much it makes sense if they actually finish sixth in the West. Um, six man of the year, we could probably talk about a little more. So I had, I'll let you start with yours this time. Yeah, I had LeVert, Bertans, and then Dennis Schroeder, and feeling pretty good about that after a couple of weeks. LeVert, I think, is going to average like 20 points a game off the bench, which just gives you such a leg up on the field no matter what else happens. His points per game is like almost like the de facto decider of this yes. award is points per game off the bench, as uh, Lou Williams can attest to. But. Love his role uh, once Katie and Kyrie go out, out. Also, when they sit, he's going to get like all he can eat and more, especially now with Dinwiddie out. Um, I mean, he'll obviously be a starter when Katie and Kyrie sit, but I think he'll still be eligible for the award. Uh, Berton's just raining threes off the bench for the Wizards, who I expect to run and gun and have a great offense. Um, and then Schroeder just... The Lakers desperately needed a scoring punch guard that we talked about many times, and I think that he'll do a serviceable job at that. Yeah, that's interesting. You went with uh, some risky guys who might not even end up being eligible. Is, has Schroeder been starting? I was too scared to put him on my ballot because I thought I'd heard buzz about him wanting to start and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, he has actually been starting, but I... Yeah, yeah, he has been, so maybe that's not great. <laughs> I thought it would be more like Wes Matthews or even Akuzma and like LeBron would be yeah. the one and let KCP guard point guards, but yeah, I think, I think LeBron, he has started a few games. LeBron's been doing the coasting this year. Like, he'll, he'll, he does so much more of the when he gets the ball inbounded, take like two dribbles and just kick it up to Schroeder, let Schroeder get a turn, and he'll just kind of jog to half court. Um, it's kind of I always used to reference James Harden and Austin Rivers used to have that connection of when Austin Rivers knew Harden wanted to take possession off and he knew that he should attack from the wing and just fire up a step back three if he can't get all the way to the basket I've seen LeBron and Schroeder kind of do that a few times um, yeah so I ended up going with Gallo Jordan Clarkson and then Karis LeVert 
I right away. So the first game of the year was that Nets Celtics game, and right away I regretted not putting Karis LeVert one because, like you said, he's getting all he can eat on that second unit. Katie and Kyrie aren't staggered. They come out together. They played every minute this year uh, so far together, and it's like every possession is just spread pick and roll with Karis LeVert, and he's a solid passer too. Um, but he's just looking to score. He's got a lineup that makes sense for a spread pick and roll too. We've got Landry Shaman out there shooting, Jared Allen rolling, uh, just a few other competent, smart shooters like Torian Prince. He's going to let it fly. A lot of people aren't too fond of him, but he's at least going to let it fly from that forward spot. Uh, yeah, he, he's getting all he can eat. I was kind of scared though, because which the hedge I did doesn't really make sense. Like if I'm going to put him on my ballot, I might as well put him at one. But I was scared that he wasn't going to get. He would end up starting too much just because I thought I'd heard that Steve Nash was going to play around with the lineup a little bit and just uh, rest games. So that was one of my concerns there. Jordan Clarkson just figured he'd have another score, six-man type. He had a pretty good year last year, but uh, with me being so high in the Jazz, had him there. Uh, Gallo, this Hawks been playing around with their lineup way more than I thought. Like I don't think Bogdanovich has started yet. Um, he's been like their right, backup point so. guard. And I didn't see that coming at all. I think Gallo started one of his games just because Capella's been out. So I don't even know if he'll end up being eligible at this point, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, that it's kind of a weird award that you're literally relying on coaches to uh, <laughs> not kind of screw you over. Yeah. Um, you want to move on to most improved? Yeah, most improved. It was super hard. I also don't really like this award just because it's like, do you get more minutes? Do you just get more usage? Or are you actually considerably better at you know, playmaking or scoring or shooting or whatever. But regardless, uh, my list is Michael Porter Jr., Tyler Hero, and DeAndre Ayton. And it's also especially hard this year because, like, do voters count the bubble as, like, part of last year and real? So, like, if you played the way you played in the bubble, are you improving? Or is that part of last season? Because it wasn't part of last season for, like, the awards. So I... I actually just don't know the answer to that, but I think Michael Porter Jr. will average like 20 points a game, and that's always a big one. Um, he's starting now. I think Denver's going to be good, as we've talked about. Uh, then Hero as well. He took a massive leap in like the playoffs or the bubble, so is that going to be counted against him or not as far as improving? I don't really know. Then Aiton, I just thought would uh, thrive with Chris Paul and Booker just being like two offensive engines that get a lot of attention and uh, can set up high high efficiency plays for him and there's another year in the league number one overall pick he's got the pedigree and i think the suns will be good so i i think those three guys all have a decent chance of winning the award yeah i went with christian wood Derek white and then ben simmons so christian wood he had a lot of good moments last year kind of got on people's radar but i think uh, a lot of it too was really just like like he really went crazy in like that last month, so it's still a small sample size. But I mean, I just think he's get he's gonna get so many reps in Houston. He's got the perfect pick and roll partner. Uh, I think he's gonna have crazy stat lines. Might not be quite. It might like even rep- not. It might represent him as being like too good of a player. Like I think he might not even live up to his stats just because he's in such a perfect situation. Like in with the, the perfect coach too. Like Silas wants to and to be somewhat in the Porzingis role uh, in Dallas. So, yeah, Wood's going to get all these he can eat. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, a 20-10 and 10 type guy. Uh, and I think he could get a lot of block shots. His defense doesn't look good, like I've mentioned, but I think he'll still block shots, which will look good for the stats. Um, Derek White, so that's kind of going back to, like, what you said about the bubble. But the thing with his is the sample size was a lot smaller. So I think one, like, 
uh, casual voters too won't be quite as familiar with it. And it's the Spurs, like people just don't forget forget about them in general too. They can be kind of fly under the radar. And yeah, I think if he just puts up close to his bubble numbers for the entire season, even though he's hurt now, but they'll have a great stat line, look pretty good. And Ben Simmons is just kind of a leap of faith that maybe the like just roster being more fit around him and he excels a little bit more and like gets a little has a little bit better of an offensive season. And a lot of times it takes like people a year or two to catch up on defensive trends. And like last year is when like the I guess woke people got started to get super high on his defense. So I think that means this year is when like everyone will kind of will start to feel that and that'll kind of become the narrative. So the thought there is that now people think of him as a better defender and he's in a position of a better offensive season. And if he goes to Houston, he'll get all he can eat. So <laughs> when he goes to Houston. Yeah. So this might be my hottest take of the new season. I might just be out on Ben Simmons as being even a great player. Like, so they played Cleveland the other night without Embiid. It's like Cleveland has no defensive presence. Like, this is your time to kind of at least show that you can be like a 1A type player in a small setting. And I think he had like 12 points. I think he took only eight shots. He's like minus 21, six turnovers. And just like, yeah, the defensive part is real. I think he chips in on that. And I think he has already been doing pretty well for like steals and blocks wise. But as like a, as like a plus offensive player in anything other than transition, I, it's pretty rash after like two weeks, but I just, I don't know. I'm like almost getting sick of hearing about it. Maybe it'll change in like Houston or the, the other thing is he's playing with like three new starters since Embiid was out. He had Dwight Howard. He had Seth Curry. Um, and then I'm escaping me. There are others. Guy who started the other night. Oh, Dwight Howard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I kind I kind of want to hop on that train. Cause, <laughs> but the thing is, like, there's definitely been times where he's been dominant in the past. And, like, when Embiid misses, like, two weeks, like, he's had some great runs. But the center then was Al Horford, and that's, like, the perfect center to pair with uh, Ben Simmons. But I think, like, I think Doc is fine for this team, but I think he's a terrible coach for Ben Simmons. Like, I think he's fine for the team to just help them not bottom out, but... I just don't think he's innovative enough. Like, I think they need a younger, fresher mind in there to, like, really maximize Ben Simmons. But in the in the role he's in now, just being kind of like a traditional point guard, yeah, I mean, I think I might be kind of out on that too. But I just still think he's such a transition threat. And, like, just grabbing a rebound and taking three dribbles, like Giannis Light and, like, being up the court, obviously just like a smaller version. But, um I, I just think there is a world and there's an environment out there where he can be a, the lead guard for a team like that. It's just got to be in, in his defense, too. Like, the, like Danny Green and Seth Curry don't really dribble. Danny Green, like, that was the other guy. Yeah, Danny Green does not dribble. And then Seth Curry, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm like just not realizing how slow of a release he has. Like, yeah, he's like, I think right up there with like the best three point percentage ever, but. He, he's not a gunner. Like, he can't just let it fly. Like, so, so often he's forced into pump faking just one or two dribbles that lead to nowhere. Sometimes he gets a pull-up or a floater out of it. But this roster, this roster, like, starting lineup makes sense, but on paper. But then, like, when it's, like, actualized, like, I don't love it. Um, but, yeah, I, I yeah, think... Like, like they, him and Tobias Harris, like, do they have any cohesion? Like, do you ever see them messing yeah, on the court? And it's like, oh, two secondary ball handlers who are good shooters, that should be quality fits. But then it's like, 
they're both super hesitant players that they don't just react. They don't have like the Spurs mindset where 0.5 seconds you make a decision of dribble pass shoot. Um, it's like catch and hold. They don't have ball movers. Like they don't have like Danny Green's a glue player. Well, not even really. Like he's good. He's a glue player in the right setting. Like he'll let it fly from three, play good defense. But he's not a smart offense guy. He's not swinging the ball, doing all these smart things. He's kind of just if he's open, shoot it. If not, just hold like that's the problem a lot of catch and hold type guys they need that creator and i just think that even despite on paper it seemed like she makes sense he's still not in the perfect scenario and so i think the perfect world for him if he's being a number one you got the team perfectly optimized around him but if you need him to be your number two like i just want to see him in the draymond role like uh, just a little bit more advanced ball handling draymond role where he's setting the pick with a like, I, that's why I love him on the Hawks. Like, send the pick 30 feet away for Trey Young, then getting it on the short roll and creating. Like, he's either short roll creating with shooters around him, or he's being the roll man, or he's grabbing and going, and he's essentially your number two on offense. Like, I think that's the do ideal you, role for him. But do you think he wants to do that, or do you just think it's a good idea, like, like for you, or like, do you think like that is actually something that he would be willing to do? That's a great question. I think I don't. It's really tough to get out a read on his just like personality. Like he's it's really quiet. Much. Yeah, he's quiet, but he's also like seems like the tough, aggressive type. But then I don't know if he is. Like I don't know. Like yeah. I don't have any sort of read on him as a person. Yeah. Actually, kind of like uh, one quick thing is it was media day. I think before last season, I may have referenced this before, but people are like, "Oh, you're going to start shooting threes now? You're going to at least shoot the mid range or whatever?" Or just would you work on this off season? He's like. You know, it was, like, the first time, like, I actually like, worked on my jump shot and got some shots up this offseason. It's like, what? You're, like, second, th- third year in the NBA and you've never worked on your jump shot before? Like, we can tell, but that's just such a wild thing for an NBA player to say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That might be my hottest take as we exit out of 2020, just that he's just, like... <laughs> pretty blah on offense especially as your top like is he is he like a better dribbling like lamar odom just like a little bit stronger <laughs> like he just, i don't know just but coming I, into I the know. draft when people were like calling him the next lebron i was like i feel like he's just lamar odom but uh oh really i didn't know that like, i didn't know if that was a thing i just yeah really that off top no, head, but. but lamar odom actually with shoot threes well, yeah, that's the difference. And, like, he, he's, like, a career 59% free throw shooter. So he can't even help you when he is – if he was relentlessly attacking the rim and, and getting into line. Like, he doesn't even help you in that aspect. So he's, like, literally like a power forward or a center and, and a great defensive one. But I, just I do, transition only. So I it is like, too. Like, Sixers are, the Sixers are one of the teams I've wanted to, like, watch a lot. But they're just not that watchable of a team because of the things we've talked about. Like – just their offense has no cohesion. It's a lot of, like, like what, the one person will catch it and then kind of, like, if it's Danny Green or Tobias Harris, they'll kind of look around, like, what's ha- what's going to happen? Like, what are we doing from here? And it's like, oh, crap, got to create. Next thing you know, Danny Green's dribbling. Like, it's just not a fun team to watch play. And I do like the force feeding of the pick and roll, the MB- Simmons and Bede pick and roll. Like, they almost never ran that under Brett Brown. And, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would make sense on paper, but – I think it's definitely something that needs to be explored. Just to get Simmons reps doing that one, but two, I mean, I think if you're de- if his defender goes under it, like there is a world where he can get downhill pretty easily and like get to the basket more. But like you said, he's got to be able to knock down his free throws. And I don't know, it just sucks. I was looking forward to watching the Sixers this year, but they're actually pretty unwatchable for me. 
Yeah, so I used to think that they ha- had like a, a really high ceiling if everything clicked, but now I just think that they just don't even have like that great of a ceiling. More so, they just can overwhelm you with their like athleticism and their size and that they will always, you know, kind of like just muscle their way to enough wins to be solid. But I actually don't think that they could win like and go up notches in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah, we've already talked about the Harden-Simmons trade a good bit at this point, but um, I think we can touch on it now. This is a good time to kind of talk about it. Like, it's The leverage game is so interesting here because at first it's like, oh, no one has anything that can touch the trade chip that Philly has in Ben Simmons, so why would they put him on the table? And if they do, why would they add more to the tape, more to the offer, like, he, like what Harden is probably worth? But then now it's like, well, Harden looks great. And it's kind of getting more evident day by day that this team has a very hard ceiling on it. Like you said, like they're not going to reach that potential that they have. Like they're probably at the bottom of that, like top East teams. Like they're probably at the bottom of that group. So maybe it's like more evident that they need this trade more than it originally seemed like. So that's, that's what it feels like to me. Like the longer that the Sixers like kind of, don't look good. They could win games, but the more, more that Maury realizes that they don't have a championship window with this team, like we talked about one of their pods. Uh, yeah, they have a window of being very good for a long time, but if yeah. Maury realizes that they don't have a championship window, I mean, and Raphael Stone knows how Maury thinks. Like they've worked together for a long time, and everyone knows Maury wants stars. And I think there's a very real world where the leverage game really shifts to, more to Houston's favor than originally thought. Yeah, and he, Maury remembers in, like, painstaking detail, like, the fact that they went 27 straight missed threes. Like, I think that he knows no, every no, single Maury, thing about how... Maury will say it's 25 because the league went back and ruled that two of them should have been fouls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 25. Like, he, he just knows everything. I think it's, like, the biggest pain moment in, in his, like, professional career that I think he wants a title so bad that I don't think he will settle for being, like, the fourth seed for, like, four, five straight years or whatever the case may be. I think that he, if the owner will sign off on it, he'll pull the strings to try to gun for for a championship, uh, like, sooner rather than later. But... I don't know. There's it's kind of the standoff that's just still existing. Between there's one teams. rumor out there from a Twitter account that's it's not too reliable of an account, but they actually nailed a few things recently. Like um, it's basketball rehab, which they've said some crazy off the wall things before, but they nailed a few things right in the like before they were being announced, like during free agency season. So. I don't know how much credit to give it, but or credibility. But they apparently one rumor out there is that the basics of the trade has already been agreed upon, but Tyrese Maxey is included. And he's not eligible to be traded until like January third or something like that. And they're ironing out the pick details right now. But that's one rumor out there. Um, oh, I've not I guess heard we'll, that. Yeah, like I said, it's a very small account that has said some wild stuff before but they've gotten a few things right so it's something in the back of my mind that we'll find out in a few days but that's pretty interesting yeah Uh, at this point i almost just think that he's not going to get traded but then that sounds kind of ridiculous to say out loud i honestly have no idea what's going to happen like do you think brooklyn we should move on but do you think brooklyn 
is more likely or less likely to trade for him now that Dinwiddie's out? Um, that's tough. I'm. <laughs> you would think more likely, but and it, obviously he was just—he's not a make-or-break part of the deal. But their offer was already like borderline, like compared to it was the floor. It was considered the floor of all the other offers out there, and without Dinwiddie, like he wasn't going to be a part of the Rockets going forward. But that's still a valuable piece that probably looked to flip or something like or maybe just help them win a little bit now so they can have one more season making the playoffs in the year where they don't control their picks so with him being a nothing i mean that definitely weakens their trade now they'd have to be willing to like include like super late first round picks like 25 and 27 and yeah i mean i think it's less likely because i just feel like they'll be they won't take a big risk i think they'll make like a small move around the margins but I don't know. I like, yeah, that's weird. I think it's less likely only because KD and Kyrie both look so good, and especially when they're offensive wizards, maybe they don't need a third one as like their top priority, but we will find out soon. Yeah, and I just think it's inevitable, uh, inevitable with the Sixers just because Ben Simmons, five years under contract, 24-year-old All-NBA player, like, and it just makes so much sense for them to like swap teams. So um, I just think it's, there's going to be some sort of compromise where probably like PJ Tucker gets done in the deal also, and that's how Houston actually gets a solid return because uh, they'll play the card like I was talking about. Why would they include any other assets when they have the best asset around? No one else can beat. So it'll probably be like Harden, PJ Tucker for Simmons, Maxi, and like a pick or two, and filler, but. You know, I'm going to make a prediction just to get it on record. It's going to be Harden and Tucker for Simmons, Scott, um, Maxi, and this year's first, and 2025 first. Light protections. All right. Official prediction. Love it. I saw one super interesting uh, version of it where it's Simmons and Harris for... Harden, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. Yes, I have to, I have to digest that. But yeah, I, that's I'm odd. waiting. I'm waiting for the news to break from Woj. Same. Um, yeah, we can just fly through the rest. Defensive Player of the Year, I'd go Bear, Davis, Embiid. It's not much, not too much analysis there. It's a lot of the same guys. I just think Go Bear, the Jazz are really good, and Go Bears kind of. He's a pretty like prove it type of guy he kind of people were saying he fell off a little last year i think he's going to want to show he's still elite yeah i have davis Colbert, and Giannis, three big men who protect the paint very well i <laughs> i didn't put a ton of extra analysis into it but easily see Colbert winning it Giannis probably won't just to the fact that they'll probably take a step back this year yeah their team davis davis was so worse. davis was so good in the playoffs that Maybe the voters will do like an IOU or something. Yeah, Davis was out of this world defensively in the playoffs. Um, so the last thing that's um, going towards our predictions for our point system is All-NBA first team. My prediction was Luka, Curry, Kawhi, Davis, Jokic. I'm feeling pretty good about leaving LeBron off of first team. Um, feeling really good about Jokic as my center. Luka is one of my guards, but... I don't know. I can see this going so many different ways. I don't think Curry's going to be on there. I feel bad about that one. And with Kawhi getting hurt, usually doesn't matter as much in all NBA, but 
the forward spot was crazy. Like when I ended up with Giannis on my third team for forwards. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you don't have Giannis or Durant or LeBron on your first team NBA. I was well. That's that's three right there. That's three locks you just said. Well, so I put LeBron as a guard. And yeah. Is that, is that legal? Like they they change stuff around every year. They let well, people. I th- it's like certain guys get certain things, which LeBron played point guard last year, but I don't. my thing with that was, like, I don't think he's going to play point guard this year because they have Schroeder. And then also, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, and, like, when people, like, with Chris Middleton, that's why he didn't make a team because his votes were split up between guard and forward. Like, yeah. it's not the raw total. It's, like, total per position. So, like, if he gets – if his votes like he's definitely not going to get all his votes at one position so i think guard would definitely be in the minority there but i mean if you but if you mix it around like kind of make it what you think it should be that's definitely fine yeah i I get why i get why they do it because i think it is kind of cool to actually have a team and you can think of like this is the best team that you could ever assemble but nowadays like positions barely matter um i don't know it's hard but if you did like just the best 15 best players it would feel weird if there was like zero big men or like zero like guards like it wouldn't be the case this year but i don't know it's it's really hard to do because even like luca like he's like a point guard but he also is like a small forward on defense like i don't know is he i guess he's a guard or anthony davis he plays forward but i put him at center so i think he i think he actually made it as center last year which i thought was dumb yeah they that was a reach last year because uh, how often, like, and he was always on the record, like, no, I want to play the four. <laughs> like, yeah, and like, Dwight started, Dwight or JaVale started, like, every game. I think it was JaVale, actually, like, started almost every yeah. game. So I didn't think he should be there, but I put him there this year because he qualified last year. So, yeah, Jokic was super hard for me to leave off. But, wow, LeBron, Durant, and Giannis all being off your first team is, is quite the sight well, to see. But top of the league with, is stacked. With Anthony Davis, like, both of us had him so much higher in um, MVP. And I know All-NBA is different. It's, like, games played are less serious and things like that. But I just think he's coasting into this year. And, I like, the Cleveland – some of the Cleveland years where he was, in, like, top five for MVP, like, those weren't, like, great regular seasons for him. Those were just, like – he was just, like, a normal good player. He wasn't, like, playoff LeBron. So I just think that's how this is going to go. I just got a notification about him. LeBron's double-digit streak hits 1K. A thousand straight games of at least 10 points. Um, But, yeah, I think he's just going to coast his way. I have him second team, but forward was so hard this year. And I think Kawhi, like, he'll play – I thought he was going to play, like, before this injury, like, 75% of games or whatever and just be typical Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, neither of us have Harden either. So, this – the first and second teams are going to be loaded beyond belief until, of course, like five people get hurt, which happens like every year. So I'm sure yeah. they'll trim this list down. But uh, you already, did you say yours all the way? Uh, I don't know. So I had Luca, LeBron at guard, Durant and Giannis at forward, and then I had Anthony Davis at the five. Yeah, and then so my second team ended up being Harden, Dame, LeBron, KD, and then Embiid. Um, yeah, I was just like, all right, so I know I had Giannis over LeBron in regular season MVP, but I think this was like one of the scenarios where, and same thing for KD, but a lot of that for those two is like LeBron coasting his way in and then KD being rest. So, um, I was like, KD will be above him because I think he just, it, Giannis might have MVP because the game's played and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it was just so hard to look at 
the forward spots for me. Yeah, I mean, your second team might be able to beat your first team uh, in a series, but no, I, I, I didn't do. I didn't fill out my second team, but I'm sure it would have been very similar to you. I mean, maybe like Jason Tatum knocking at the door, maybe a Trey Young. He's averaging like 34 points a game so far, I think. Um, yeah, I put him on my my third team. It was Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Gobert. Wow, Giannis, their team was incredible. <laughs> it was, no, no Zion, no Zion, no Booker. Going in, I was like, yeah, there's definitely going to be a spot for Zion on here. And now, but, I mean, Forbes was just so stacked. And then I'm mad I didn't put Kyrie on there because I just thought he'd be classic Kyrie. Or not, or just like the Kyrie the last few years, maybe get a few injuries, maybe cause some craziness. And just overall, I didn't think he played defense. Like, I don't know, I just thought, with the guards being stacked too, that he just would be not quite there. And like, obviously been high in the jazz all around. So as I don't get this last guard spot to Donovan Mitchell, um, no Brad Beal again, he's going to be mad. His wife's going to make an Instagram post. Uh, yeah. No, no Middleton, no Jimmy Butler. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think Butler is a lot to not make it honestly, even before the injury. Like I just think his regular season stats weren't going to be good enough. He probably weren't going to be, I didn't have him good enough. And then, yeah, just so many forwards. And well, and then Butler's one of those guys, too, like LeBron. He played a good bit of point guard. Probably could have swung either way. Uh, Middleton, size between the two and the three a lot. Um, I wanted to put Drew Holiday on there. Like, I thought about him. I ended up having him be an, an all-star for the East, but um, he was in my considered for the guards. I considered De'Aaron Fox as well. John Moran. Yeah, he was in my considered for forwards. But I guess on the Clippers, he really – he basically – I should have considered him harder at guard because he basically does start at the two. Like he's legitimately their starting two guard, especially um, if they're like the one seed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I probably missed out on that one. Um, Christian Wood, you got to make room for him. <laughs> True. I thought about Bam. Bam was probably would have been my next center if I was just doing traditional could centers. Make, could probably make five good teams, huh? Yeah, you, you really could. I think. Uh, it was 2018-19's All-NBA guard spots. I remember, like, the last spots. The media did a pretty bad job about it, but uh, there was just so many quality options. Like, Mike Conley and Drew Holiday were both in consideration, but they got, like, one vote each or something like that. But realistically, they should have been ahead of a few guys. But yeah. well, You didn't even take Westbrook either. Or Cat. Yeah. I was out of, like, the main, like, five or six, like, best centers in the league that Cat's, like, definitely a part of. I had him. It's like for the reason top I really thought it'd be a down year for him. Who was your third team center? Gobert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll run through my all stars real quick. You, this is on the optional section. You didn't fill this part out. Uh, just to have it on record. East all stars: Giannis and B, Tatum, KD, Kyrie, Trey Young, Siakam, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, oh. and Bam. I honestly, forgotten. Pretty rough so far. Yeah. I haven't. I need to look into that. I haven't really seen much about him. I forgot I did that as I was reading it though. When I saw James Harden, I was like, "Wait, what?" Uh, West All Stars: LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Luka, Steph, Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Dame, Zion, Darren Fox, and Ben Simmons. Oh, no room for Cat on the All Star team either, huh? I might have just forgot about him honestly, but. I don't I mean, remember my mindset at the time, but yeah. You don't, have, you don't have Mitch, Mitchell on there either, right? Donovan Mitchell? Did you say Mitchell? Yeah, I had him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a stacked crew. 
Yeah. Um, I, did I leave out Paul George, though? I think I left out Paul George. Oof, tough year. Maybe we do need expansion. Maybe we need some more teams. Yeah, that seems to be the talk talk lately. Um, probably not for like two or three plus years, but I think the talent could afford it. Like, I mean, so much talent in the league now, but quality of play, I would prefer not to. Yeah, maybe I'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, any last hot takes you want to fire off? No, I think my Simmons ones, well, Simmons one was all I got. Uh, got to go check on all these games tonight. Yeah, I got to see how my bets are doing for tonight. Um, my Boston one's looking pretty good. Oh, the game has ended. Uh, all right, so uh, do you have anything coming out soon for Off the Glass? Anything uh, in the work works? In, work in process. All right. Yeah, I have something that should be coming out pretty soon about uh, ways the Nets can replace Spencer Dinwiddie. Got some interesting fake trades in there, so check it out. Check out the website. Check out the Twitter off the glass or OTG Basketball. And, yeah, we'll catch you all next time.